It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling on Monday. Reno's in Vegas. ESPN Reno, ESPN Vegas, Radio Row. Brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and our good friends at the Spearman Rhino. Ari is with us, steering the ship at the Finley Toyota Studios. JVT is here. John, I just had to change my outfit. I just had to change my outfit. I don't know if you I don't know if you why do you think I did it? I don't know what. I don't know. Pritch got me. I I I, I dress in black. Just, you know, monochromatic, just kind of blends together. Don't look as fat. The whole time I had a green sweatshirt on. The whole time Pritt sat down with us, he was like just concentrating on Fatso's stomach. So, mm-hmm. Buddha Cofield. Let me, let, me sort of, let me cover it up a little bit. I don't think sport coats really help. I don't think they do either. Just, they just kind of blouse them out, but I don't know. I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something. I thought some of my techniques worked last week. I did that, uh, the Fox 5, the Fox 5.2, the... Cox 125, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, UNLV recruiting thing. And I looked back, and I was like, I don't look gigantically fat. So, Vertical stripes. JT the Brick's wearing a vest. Sometimes the vest works. Sometimes it doesn't. I have a red vest. Oof, that does not work at all. Yeah, red's not really. It's not. No. <laughs> uh, I think two years ago, someone gave me something yellow. I'm like, nope. Nah. White that, doesn't really help either. No, white. I have so many white shirts that are just... Bad man, it's real bad. You know what the solution is, right? Lose weight. Yeah, eat a salad every once in a while. Some roughage, get it all moving. Not a baked potato and a coffee with coffee made in it. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I started out one place, got uh, chips and guac. Moved to another place, got some tacos. So lots of beers. None of it's working. It ain't helping the situation. <laughs> Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. My God, Tom Brady's hot, isn't he? I could never do an underwear ad like him. Uh, I mean, you could in today's day and age. It's acceptable now. Yeah, with a shirt on and sweatpants. Um, what do you think? He's doing. I don't know. He's doing some underwear ad. Puts it out on the Monday of the Super Bowl. Um, do we? Should we go overly critical? Like, we, as not so, like, super attractive guys, you know, you're a TV guy, I'm not, but can we can we criticize those who have since we don't? No, but I've always just been thrown off by, like, nude colored clothing in general. So that's what got me with the picture. It yeah. wasn't even so much, like, at first I was like, oh, yeah, wait, what the heck? Why is Tom Brady, like, in his underwear on my timeline? And then yeah. I realized, like, oh, okay, it's an ad. And clearly he's got a lot of endeavors. Well, it throws you off as the nude coloring because at first you're like, is he na- – oh, okay. All right. It's all right. The head the head cock is weird too. The head what? Like the head cocking, you know. Yeah, he's kind of doing that. Um, okay, first of all, you know that I'm colorblind. So the whole nude thing, I didn't even get. Oh, yeah. That like, just hit me. I had no idea. It looked like he was nude. Yeah, well, because it's kind of like a nude shade. You know what I mean? It's like oh, wow. a, it's so – like I see a lot of the times there was I was actually out we were out one time and this woman walked by and she had like nude colored leggings. Yeah, that's a new and thing. So, There's so women who do that and you're like, whoa. I had to Isabel both like at the yeah. at the same time we both kind of turned, we're like, what is that woman doing? Is, is that like, a oh, butt okay. crack out in right. public? Yeah. Like, oh okay. Well, we're good. So the nude coloring throws me off. 
And the look on the face. The pouty, like, you know, Ben Stiller Magnum look. Do you have any idea what brand it is? Uh, I'd assume it's like his own brand, right? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'll have to look at it 50 more times. I'll have to see that ad a lot for it to sink in. Um, can I tell you the, the thing that I... Boy, do I go down this path? I've always found the, the male underwear model interesting. Okay. Because I think there's a, like a... It don't Generally, don't they try to like kind of... Like I don't even know what the right word is. Like almost like shade out the wiener. Do they? Yeah, I guess. I think yeah. yeah. Or they wear like a cup to make it like you know natural. They, is it, do you know that for a fact? Do they wear cups? I, th- I would think right. They try to make it look natural. When's the last time we wore a cup? Like like little league baseball. I mean, they're not. Yeah. That's not comfortable. No, not at all. I'm I'm guessing. I don't think Ari ever wore a cup. Have you ever worn a cup before? Yeah. He says yes. I don't. Believe you did. Him. When playing what? Soccer. As a youngin, you wore a cup to play soccer. Yeah, that's not a normal thing. I don't think so. That's what nerds did. (laughs) That's why I'm here on this side of the table. What a (laughs) rat! That doesn't just because we didn't wear a cup means we're not nerds. I'm certainly not an athlete. Is all I'm saying. Well, I think the whole point is it's when you're sub athletic, you actually don't want to wear a cup for like any any feeling you have where you're not being held back a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty fast without a cup. This cup's holding me down. Stunk either way. No, I think it's the other way around. Yeah. Because you're not going cup because you're confident in your abilities. So my question after all that was, why was he covering his junk? I mean, it's one of two things. And they're both on the extreme sides of the spectrum. Right. Do you have, do you have shrinkage? Or you're huge. <laughs> yeah. Or you're Anthony Weiner, right? There is really a guy named Anthony Weiner. Right. Remember him? Because yeah. if he was average, it wouldn't really be that big of a right. deal. Hey, I'm not, my guess is, well, one, I think I, it, it was probably a request, but if it was his deal, it was probably cold. And he's like, I'm going to cover it up. Or or it's just the obvious thing. It's, yeah. Everybody would have just zoomed in immediately. Oh, they would have judged yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that would have been the whole story. No matter what it would have been. Exactly. That been the whole story. Who was it? Orlando Bloom who had a picture taken and it was like a shadow and everyone's like, oh, my God. This guy's got a kickstand. <laughs> well, What's going on here? Or is also, was it? Uh, it was just a stupid shadow. It's Super Bowl week. Um, was it Frank Clark whose stuff flew out during the combine when he was running the forty? I didn't know that. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was one of the. It was one of the Chiefs' defensive linemen. Oh wives. my god, that what a horrible feeling that is. I got to look up which one it was. I'll tell you. Who <laughs> I got to look yeah. it up. I got to look it up. Okay, I think it's time to move on. Look at how scared number three. How scared Ari is right now? Come on, Ari. Chris we, Jones. Excuse me. Same the KC lineman. Same thing. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. We're going to get the report from our buddy Arash Marakazi in the 5 o'clock hour, who's Mr. Vegas, big on events like the Pro Bowl. John, what would you think, and how did uh, the Manning twins do? Uh, I actually didn't watch any of it. So <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you you observed it, or just like everyone else? Pretty much, like through social media. Social media. I, I saw a couple of clips here and there. Uh, I saw the... So I saw Tyree. I did see because I don't know where we were at, where the TVs were on. I saw Tyree Kill get blasted um, in flag football, which was kind of odd. I guess you can't really pull up or really get it out of your grill uh, that you want to take it easy. But we also saw a great moment where Peyton Manning, who what was he like a coach or something like that? I thought it was Pete Davidson. Whatever. Peyton Manning at the end of a flag football game. I think Kirk Cousins went to kneel the ball and he wasn't allowed to because quarterbacks can't run and that counts as a rushing attempt. And Manning. Freaked out. Said, said, a he said I can take a knee. That's a penalty. You can't do that. You can't run. He said I can take a knee. That's a penalty. 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 That's
Peyton furious with his Pac-12 official. How real was that? I mean, I watched the video. He looked pretty, like, that looked like competitor kind of came out for a minute. Like, you can't do that. It's over and over. That's a penalty over and over and over again. Adam Hill's not alone. Adam Hill would have done the exact same thing. And I have to tell you, to be honest with you, like, Every once in a while, like, I've played, like, flag football. It means absolutely nothing. But, like, when there was a clear and obvious penalty, like, there was a point where a ref had to tell me because I turned around like, that's a penalty. He's like, chill, man. He's like, I'm going to call it. You know? <laughs> like, you're like, all right, sorry, my bad. You caught up in the moment. So me and Peyton Manning, the same. Number two. Big story of the day, Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs. We'll get to what happened to the Lakers. John, what happens to the Nets now? Because last week you were suggesting get rid of Kyrie and then get rid of Kevin Durant. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to do the. Um, well, that's not the opposite, but uh, they're not going to. Well, kind of is. If they're yeah, going to load right. up, they're not. They're not stripping it all the way down. Um, in fact, they are looking to add pieces around Kevin Durant and OG Ananobi. And excuse me, I think it's OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and our friend Van Vliet have been acquired about by the Brooklyn Nets. They're doing their due diligence and looking around. I mean, theoretically, too, I, I spent minutes at the beginning of the show talking about how Dorian Fitty Smith and Spencer Didwitty are pretty good pieces and whatnot. They could actually theoretically flip that package for something else. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the reports earlier today. They were looking to get a third team involved before the deal was consummated today. So they're trying to get something else done. And I don't. I, I, I can kind of understand it. You have the best player in the world, arguably. He's been playing MVP-level basketball when he's healthy. When he finally comes back, you want to put a team together. Because at the end of the day, Durant wanted out Steve, but he also said, all right, fine, I'll come play. And he has been putting forth his best foot on the floor, and he's been fantastic. Why not, for lack of a better term, reward him and show him, all right, like if you're bought in, unlike Kyrie, we're going to acquire anything we can to make this team a winner around you. Number one. So, yeah, Kyrie Irving lands in Dallas. Weird place when you think about it, but uh, a little more into it. Luka is awesome. So you have a dynamic duo now. Where I was wrong, I had no idea he would be going to Dallas. Where I was wrong is that it seems like there were five or six suitors. We said a lot last week, like, who wants them? Apparently lots of teams did. When you're good at something, you have value. And if that value is diminished, you know. Because, look, at the end of the day, don't get it twisted at all. The value on Kyrie Irving was diminished. Kyrie Irving, yes. the level of basketball player he was or is, I mean, right. that is worth way more if he's, like, you know, really trying and actually available and not doing stuff off the court. But if there's – if there, and here's the other thing, thing uh, Steve, that really changes a lot at this point of the season. It's not just the trade deadline. These teams, these front offices have seen their teams, right? They've got 50-ish games. Uh, of these teams now on film, and they know exactly what their weaknesses are. Trading, trading in the middle of the season is a lot better when someone has a lot of warts. Yep. And or you know the warts of your opponents. So, like, if you're the West, right, and you're in the Western Conference, if you're Dallas, if you're Phoenix, if you're the Lakers, I mean, you're looking around at the West going, okay, Denver's really good, but they have some really big flaws, especially when Jokic isn't there. The Memphis Grizzlies are all of a sudden falling apart, whether it's John Morant or some other stuff with their defense and injuries. Clippers can't keep things together consistently. Like, you look around, if you're a Western Conference opponent, why not chip off some assets to go get Kyrie Irving? It's why. So give me the whole list of suitors. So it was the Phoenix Suns. Okay, let's of- let's stop right there. Okay. I just said give me the whole list and yeah. I stop you. Um, CP3 was in the deal. 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Okay. Uh, I mean, how do the Suns react now? How does CP3 react? He was quoted. He, they talked to him. He, he was okay. like, you should, I think essentially his quote was, you should have seen how I found out about the Houston trade. So, like, he's been there. He's done it. He's a, he's a consummate pro, a power walker. He understands what the world of sports is like. So, I don't think it was that shocking. And, and I should say, it's not that I think that Chris Paul is any good, right? Because he's actually having a really down year this year. I was just surprised why, if you're the Phoenix Suns, why would you introduce that dynamic when you have everything going on with DeAndre Ayton, who by all accounts just does not care? And CP3 was going to the Nets. Yeah. Interesting. Part, yeah, part of the thing of, hey, you know, try to win, I guess. Put CP3 with KD. Clippers? So there is a story. You love the Clippers. I want to hear I, this. I do love the story. Or I do love the Clippers. Uh, there is a story that the Clippers got involved, Steve, for Kyrie Irving just to screw over the Los Angeles Lakers, actually, to drive up the price on the Lakers because they knew that the Nets would not take the deal. So they got involved. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll give you X, Y, and Z, making the, the Lakers deal look pretty bad or as bad as it could, and then ultimately not having it happen. Now, that could be it. It also could be Joe Side didn't want them to go to the, the Lakers, so that's why it happened. But there's a story out there that maybe the Clippers were playing some games. Anyone else aside from the Lakers, because we'll hit the Lakers in five minutes, anyone else who made a real run? Uh, not that I've Kyrie. not that I've read the Heat were named, but I didn't read that they actually made an offer for Kyrie Irving. Interesting. Radio Row presented all week by Subaru of Las Vegas and Spearman Rhino. Our four o'clock hours brought to you by our buddies at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, now with offices in Henderson and Las Vegas. And Reno, call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Matt and Justin, 766 1400 Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Getting to the halfway point here on Radio Row. It's brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas. Cofield and Company also presented by Spearmint Rhino. JBT is here. John Von Tobel. John, we got some good conversations coming up. A little uh, PFF conversation with uh, Sam Monson about... I want these guys to go back and grade... Old quarterbacks. It'd be cool. Right? Because I hear so much from guys uh, like our New York Sports Talk buddy about how great players of the past were. How about we actually run the video and watch it and grade them? Did let's, he, see how, oh. let's, let's see how that turns out. I'll have to listen. Yes. Yes. It's coming up in about, in about 25 minutes. I hope you're listening <laughs> on Cofield and company. Um, all right. So the, the skivvies on Brady, solid. We don't know why. Uh, well, we kind of figured out why he was covering his junk. The nude look was a little jarring, but, you know, you know why he did that. Um, most upsetting news of the day is no Fox until 2024. Yes. How is that possible? What does that even mean? I just know that. What do you mean? Man. So the 24-25 so season? It's going to take a year and a half off? It's I, $375 million. Get to work next season. I just wish... I don't know. At some point in my life that I'd be desired enough that they'll be like, yeah, here's over $300 million. By the way, you start when you want, man. You come and get this money whenever you please. Must be nice. Or is he doing it for Greg Olson? Letting Olson get another year in the uh, the main chair. Get some money. Do we, do we, have, to do the, do we have to do this again? <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to a TV show booker that I know who's hanging out here. And by the way, we've got, in addition to all the sports books, 
we've got big setups with uh, NBC. Boy, Miles Simmons wouldn't give me the time of day. He was on the air, but um, Fox Sports Radio, CBS Sports Radio, CBS TV, uh, Sirius has a bunch of stuff here. I just realized, as one of the guys from one of the uh, sports books was saying, that when Demon and Q, because Q does everything, right, as a program director, when they set up our set, we've got Raider Nation Radio, and then we've got a big Raider sign because the Raiders are right next to us. They're one of two teams here now. I think the Chiefs are coming, the Jets are here, and the Raiders are here. That these guys totally blocked this massive set with McAfee and FanDuel. No, no one can see it. I think he really wanted him to take it down. That's it. But anyway, um, I was talking to a booker earlier, and he said, uh, you know, I'm having trouble getting some some TV people. He's like, oh, I got Greg Olson, but you know who cares. And I'm like, who cares? I'm like, do you realize what a cult hero Greg Olson is now? Mm-hmm. I'd be down. You saw what happened last week, right? No. All of a sudden, Greg Olson is like the number one analyst in all of sports because people are looking at Tom Brady pushing him out. So now he's a sympathetic character, and people are like, he's great. He's great. Can't push him out. When you watch, do you think he's great? I I don't think he's memorable. <laughs> but but you but you, you always ask me this, and I know and you, like, and you guys I'm, don't watch with the sound on that, or I just like, or like when I watch with the sound, you know, you're at a sports book or something, so like you can kind of tell who's on, you know what's going on, but like for the most part, you know, you're a couple in, or you barely. It's like all I need to hear for the most, like because I read a lot afterwards too. Like all I really need to hear is what's the penalty, what's going on here, like in situations that aren't football related. And were you serious earlier Earlier that he can do whatever he wants? Who's that? Brady. Oh, yeah. Like in terms of taking his time? Because you know there's there's going to be a lot of other sports media people who are going to get pissed off about this. Oh, of course they are, but, if, but but of course he can. Right? He's the desired guy. They gave him three. Steve, they gave him 300. What is it? 375? 375 over 10 years. Before they, I, before they heard a word out of his mouth. Yep. Like he, he, I, I think, personally, I think he's going to be kind of boring. But we'll see what happens. He's been good in little instances of media that we have seen. Uh, I liked him in what, what's the is it Ted? Is that the Teddy Bear movie with Mark Wahlberg? Whatever Ted, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. solid in his little cameo there. T- last time we talked about his junk. Yeah. So like he's he, little things I've seen that are pretty solid, but like he comes across as boring to me sometimes. So I wonder if he opens up a little bit. But of course he can do whatever he wants. He got all this money. He has yet to work. And I'm sure he hasn't been paid yet. But like he's just sitting on this deal when he hasn't really like done it. Is he going to use the year and a half to bring his marriage back together? I mean, it's done. 100%. You think he's going to try? She was in, like, two of the pictures. She put up a picture of him. She was? They're getting back together. Stop. Like, well, in in the goodbye post, in the retirement post, she was, like, in two of the pictures. Hmm. I'm calling it now. Heard it here first. I don't know how personal I want to get here. Love is tough, Steve. Well, I, was gonna, through I, was, I actually was going to ask you, you've been in and out, right? Sure. Let's go through my personal life. Let's do it. Go ahead. Oh, you meant that sarcastically? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my wife and I had spent time apart before. Yes. I'm sorry. Was that was that bad? To... No. Right? It's not easy. Right. I've been through it. Tell me about it, Steve. Well, I mean, the SO and I have been together, you know, the, the entire time. It's, just, it's a perfect, it's a perfect relationship. Never but, fought, but I've had other. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> there's, a, I, I have a feeling when there is a fight, it's there's a lot of pent up energy, so it's gonna be a, gonna be a big explosion. So, 
But I've held it together. She actually hit a parked car last week. Like with her fist? No. Oh, no. I she was like, she, Sting! No, 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 no. Not at me. No. She just socked the car. She, she called me up. She's like, oh, I'm such, you know, I, I was parking and I swiped a car. I'm just like, okay. I held it together. Is she a bad driver? No, she's pretty good. She goes slow, so I'm glad she goes slow. She's very cautious. She just wasn't paying attention, but but there was a there was a little um there was a little battle based on uh, Justin Watkins' advice because Watkins' advice advice was I'd leave. Uh, do yeah, no, he didn't say that's it. Leave. <laughs> no, he said do not go through insurance. So we had a little battle over that. N- nothing serious. I'm like, I guess if you want to do it, so. So the uh, the insurance bill came last week, you know the the latest six month installment. I was like, okay, it's gone up this much. See how long it's going to be high, this high, you know, moving forward. See how much we pay for this, you know. As I just spit all over my computer, I'm getting so worked up. So I feel like you're holding back some joy today. Why is that? Or are you going to wait until it's official? Um, I'm reading reports that the Colts are moving away from Jeff Saturday. Oh, I'm he not, no, uh, that he has no shot to be the coach. Are, are you, th- are you so despondent by the process that yes. you can't get excited now? The the fact that it's gone this far is ridiculous. He won one game. Yeah. They were terrible. The second halves they showed no signs of like, or not even second halves, right? Because Peyton Manning has come out and said there's no such thing as second half adjustments, right? You just you just adjust all the time. They showed no ability to adjust in any way, shape, or form as those games went along. They were awful under Jeff Saturday, and the fact that. He gets to the point where what are they now? Like their fourth round of interviews, and he's still a candidate. You had an interview; it was nine weeks of football, and you were awful. Why is he still a candidate? But I thought there were others who pitched the case that he did exactly what the Colts wanted him to do, and that was tank. Like they were playing forty chess the whole time, and that they were losing, and that he's actually to come out next year and just be a brilliant in-game strategist, and everything's going to go perfectly fine. Possibly. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> like I said, I said in jest. I tweeted it after the Vikings game. For those who remember, they were up thirty-three nothing and lost. Um, I tweeted that they should build a statue of Jeff Saturday, not for his time yep. as center, but for losing that game against the Minnesota Vikings, playing a part and getting the fourth overall pick. Oh, C.J. Stroud or even Bryce Young. Oh. Bryce Young slips to him, and they get a franchise quarterback for twelve years. Thank yep. you, Jeff Saturday. Here's your statue. At one hundred percent. It should be. It should be. It should be Bryce Young taking a snap from Jeff Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Is his career over? By the way, if he's a legit head coach candidate for the Colts, he, did he interview with anyone else? No, of course not. That's the other part. He's not, not. He's not desired by anybody else. No. There's nobody who wants to pull him from Indianapolis. The other 31 teams want him to be hired by Indianapolis. Yes. It's like it's a running joke when you have when you have media reporters openly saying Chris Ballard is desperately trying to keep Jim Ursay from hiring him. Like it's bad. It's really bad. But when you're an owner, sometimes when you feel like everything you turn touch, you know, you do you touch turns into gold, it's hard to be convinced that you're wrong. Other big NFL news today. Always interesting when someone is suing the league but also working within the league. So it looks like Brian Flores is going to move back to a coordinator position, not with the Steelers, but with the Vikings. I like it. I mean, I, he obviously deserves a head coaching job. 
But it is good to get a, I don't know, secondary high-profile gig, you suppose. And he's a good defensive coordinator. He's a really good defensive coordinator. You saw, like, in his time with Miami, those defenses, he got a lot out of them. They were really solid. So a Vikings team whose big weakness was defense, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I think they're going to be really good under him. He deserves to be a head coach somewhere, though. Are they going to make the next jump in terms of being a real double-digit double win team? I would say so. So many pounding. Why do you believe that? So yeah, many someone's pounding, pounding the table. table. Sports yeah. radio. Scared me. <laughs> pounding. Um, there's, there's 128 setups here, and there's like six left. And it just happens to be three of them in a row all yelling on top of each other. Um, well, because – so I think what was lost on a lot of people last year with the Vikings, right, the whole negative point differential and how many games they went, 13, whatever it was, um, it was their defense. Their defense wasn't very good. Their defense was atrocious, but their offense was great. And so if you get a defense that can actually keep things together, hold leads, not blow them, there's, that's going to be a really good team. There's a reason why they were able to come back from 33 nothing. Yes, the Colts were bad, but their offense is pretty dang good. Is it still pretty insulting, though, that he's got to take a D.C. job and now step back up the ladder? Absolutely. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's like – Right? Why? Are, I mean, the more, like we're – hey, yeah, he's back. Well, wait, shouldn't he be a head coach? Sure. I, like That's why I said I think he should be a head coach. I think you should be excited as a Vikings fan. You get a really good defense coordinator, but he should have a head coaching. He is way more deserving than Jeff Saturday. Tell you that much. Did you have to say that? For some any, people, any, yes. Anyone who doesn't know that, come on. For some people, yes. Give me a freaking break. Rolling on from Radio Row. We're going to talk to uh, Pro Football Focus of Sam Munson in about 15 minutes, uh, different eras in the National Football League. And check in with the former Raider and Lorenzo Alexander at 5. To me, this could be a win-win from a standpoint that Rodgers gets to go to Vegas where they had nine one-score losses. In those games, Derek Carr threw seven second-half interceptions. So this team is close. I understand it's Andy Reid and Sean Payne, but if you're Aaron Rodgers and you believe in yourself, maybe you're the one piece that's outcome determinative to get this very talented offense over the hump. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. John Von Tobel is here with us. He's the company today. Ari is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Radio Row, as we just start off a week of coverage, getting ready for the Super Bowl again here in Phoenix. John, do you have any accounts, any sports betting accounts in Arizona? I, I mean, I don't know, only because like I have a FanDuel Right. And you, have to sign, you have to sign up in each state, though. It doesn't okay, so then, no, I do not have one. You have to Arizona. sign up and then make a deposit in that state. Okay, no. So I've got out, I've got them out in Jersey, not in uh, not in Arizona. Do you like the ones in Jersey? I think it's brilliant. I, so I think I'm, I'm shocked you haven't, just to be able to shop for numbers. I mean, you're on the west side of town, so driving to Arizona is not, it's not far, but it's no. not easy. If you lived in Henderson, it's much easier. Well, it's one of those where I've, I've actually, it's on my list of things to go try and do. Yeah. Just because you just got to go cross, essentially, the border. Yep. And then get right yep. in and be able to do it. Because there's a lot, they offer a lot more markets that I would like to get involved with and not have to, you know, take a plane to Jersey or do something. Yeah, I think I have DraftKings here and WinBet. So I might make a, yeah. a few bets. But the story here is, and we've repeated it a couple times, but it is incredibly noteworthy. This is the first Super Bowl on the ground where you can bet. So I think they've got seven or eight different books set up here. I know it actually really was, I like I. This is going to sound stupid, right? But I'm, I'm not not wowed very often. <laughs> like, I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. Um, when I when I was driving around this convention center, you know, the basketball arena is here and so is the baseball park. And right across the street from where I parked, I just see, like, giant 
FanDuel signage on the stadium, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, you can bet at the stadium. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? That is the future. That's going to be in lots of places in five years. Oh, stadiums, like, with kiosks and actual books? 100%. I mean, I I don't know the layout of every single stadium that includes this, but, like, the future is going to be you're going to sit in the sports book in the stadium, right, and, like, watch the games there. In a lounge. I mean, what's what's one of the biggest complaints? Like, everybody's always so shocked because I work in sports media, but every time I tell somebody, I've never been to an NFL game before in my life. I can't. Like, in I don't don't, want to be locked in. Right, because it sounds like, first off, the people, we've talked about it, it sounds like a nightmare, but missing out on all the games? I, I, that'd be terrible. So they're trying to estimate the handle here. In Arizona? Yeah. Can they beat us? What was it last year? 179 million point eight? Uh, I say, what is it? And I think I got the number. Something something pretty close to that. Well, I got to double check, though, because I don't know if Nevada, does Nevada still hold the single record for Super Bowl handle? No. Because New York would be, or not yeah. New York, New Jersey would be massive. Well, have you seen the numbers? Did you see the numbers from November? Because they just came in? Uh, the I, overall numbers? I think I saw. I know Nevada's like third or fourth, aren't we they? We were fourth yeah. at $928 million. Illinois, over a billion. New Jersey, just ahead of Illinois, $1.1 billion. New York was $1.56 billion. Yeah. We were $928 million. But Arizona was actually 618 and now they've got the Super Bowl. I mean, they might eclipse seven or $800 million. I mean, there's thoughts here. They could bring in a billion dollars just for this month of February if they get a, you know, if they, well, I don't know if they're going to get that much, but the numbers are high. We'll say that. I would, and I would say too, I mean, because it's a big conversation to be had, but like Nevada has nobody to blame but itself in terms of, you know, that's obviously population has a lot to do with it. You still don't really have remote signups out here, all those sort of things. Like those are the things that, right, different offerings, those are the things you got to have if you're not want to get blown by in terms of handle. Yeah, the Arizona paper says, um, Let's see. There's a Caesar site at Chase Field. You got the Footprint Center. Maybe that's where I saw the FanDuel mm-hmm. thing. There's going to be a customized Caesar's 18-wheeler equipped with a 1,000-square-foot betting wall. And I think FanDuel is the biggest sponsor of the NFL experience. So that whole point we were making last week about first time on the ground and all the signage that's going to be allowed, it's going to be incredible. And Arizona is going to benefit from it. And I would hope all these other states that are dragging their feet on this whole thing, like look at, look at what comes in in terms of tax revenue in these states that are – Taking in sports gambling money. You're being archaic. You're being stupid. You're cheating your own people. Hanging at Radio Row in Arizona, it's Cofield and Company. So, JVT, I told you one of my favorite topics this week was going to be your typical sports talk radio topic, but I like doing them every once in a while. I know you guys don't like them, but the whole GOAT thing that we get into, the greatest of all time quarterback thing. Right. Especially as I get to speak to old-timers. Can you embrace this at all? What, like goat talk? Well, there was a list of 10 out there. Who was it produced by at the end of the week? There was top 10 quarterbacks of all time, and the quarterback of the Steelers. Terry Bradshaw? their glory era. Okay. Was not in the top 10. The bottom of the top 10 was Staubach, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Young, and there was – at least one radio personality who's like, what is up? No, Bradshaw. I mean, how can he not be? That 1.00952380952 touchdown to interception ratio that just terrorized the National Football League. 
Well, this is all on the heels of what happened last week, right? Where where ESPN decides to bring on some old-timers, right? Which, by the way, now that I'm here, I, I made the statement last week, ESPN, reach out to other radio markets. I'm not saying us. Different age But if groups. you're looking for someone who's 60-plus, who you know supposedly has some knowledge of the 70s and 80s, which I think oftentimes they don't, they just glamorize it, how about reach out to L.A. or San Francisco or Seattle or, like, the guys in front of us, Dallas. There are sports radio icons who have really good takes all over the country. You don't have to lean on Mike Francesa, who at one point said – when talking about Montana, that Joe Montana never made a mistake in the Super Bowl. And I'm like, Mike, that's impossible. And that is you glamorizing an era. Come on, bro. That can't be the case. Of course it's not. That's why I don't like these conversations. They're disingenuous. That's all it, like, that's all it is. Like, like the, we go back to the MJ LeBron thing or just MJ yeah. in general, right? MJ wouldn't have let him lose. They lost all the time early on. All the time. Yep. yep. It's, it's a, that's why I don't, that's the reason why I don't like it. It's not the comparison of eras. It is disingenuous conversations all the time. And it's so annoying. I, I sat down with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus, who they grade the quarterbacks, and I was like, go back and grade the older guys. Uh, Joe Montana, of course he made mistakes, right? One of those Super Bowl wins against the Bengals, right before he won the game, he tried to throw it away with a like a, a dropped interception in the end zone. Like Joe Montana, I mean, this is the same with Brady, right? Everybody makes these mistakes. Right. It's just we don't care once the result Once you ends win, up we right forget way. about it. We, right. don't, we don't know every detail of every game. Yeah, the, the one Joe Montana game we graded was the um, when, I think it was last year, when it was the, uh, the, the Chiefs um, against the 49ers, we graded Joe Montana versus Steve Young when he was playing that Kansas City Chiefs um, matchup. When was that? 93, 94, the, the year he played with the Chiefs. And like, he played well in that game as well. So I, I, think, I think Joe Montana was probably pretty good. I think the no, BFF I don't, I don't, back I, I don't doubt that he was good, but I think we, the grades really help set yeah. things up. Because um, the guy that I find fascinating, because, I, again, I saw a top 10 GOAT list, and someone was like, how can Terry Bradshaw not be in there? I, I don't know, man. I just... Like, I watch it, and it was a different game, but I just wonder how Bradshaw would grade. Yeah, to me, the more interesting um, kind of positions are some of the other positions that there's less sort of obvious information. Like, quarterbacks generally, obviously you can be sort of led astray a little bit. Like, you know, how good was Brock Purdy this year versus how much was Kyle Shanahan, how much was all those receivers, how much was the offensive system generally. But I think overall we kind of get in the right ballpark with quarterbacks you can tell the great ones you can tell the bad ones yeah i mean if you're interested in football hardcore and the linemen that that's i think that's one of the areas where listen we are we're watching games we're watching the ball sure uh, so we need the information on the linemen and i really use it a lot for college football i cover a lot of mountain west college football and like i you know I, i'm on the field I, I don't know what the hell's going on in the trenches so i thought it was a a really really good resource back to the national football you throw out purdy so how did he do? I think he played pretty well. Like, so there's, it, it's not a discussion built for today's nuanced world. You know what I mean? Where he either has to be great, like right. the next Tom Brady, or he stinks. And it's all Kyle Shanahan. Right. It's all, like, obviously the truth is somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Like his sort of down-to-down PFF grading wasn't that great because of so much was sort of built for him and just paint-by-numbers type of quarterbacking. But the fact that the numbers across the board went up and the fact that he did add value on top of what Jimmy Garoppolo was doing, 
It is significant. And you could see throughout the game, you could pinpoint the plays where it's like, Garoppolo doesn't make that play, you know? He manages to extend the play. He sort of finds a dump off later on that looked pretty easy, but only existed because of the scrambling around that he was able to do. So I think, you know, Shanahan is a wizard in terms of what he's able to do with quarterbacks, what he's able to do for those guys. But Purdy was absolutely bringing something to the table that none of the quarterbacks he's had in recent years have done, or at least Jimmy Garoppolo has only reached sort of on occasions within that offense. PFF, as I mentioned, grades college players so you guys do a great job on the draft all the draft information is up there and more's on the way do you know offhand you know these top four guys going into this draft who's a guy who grades well because you know there's been a couple of guys described as more raw yeah i mean i think bryce young is the clear number one quarterback from this draft it, his his only weakness or flaw is the size if you, and, and the size it's going to be extreme you know what, which I mean, part the, the height or the slightness? I think both because I think the height, listed height, is not accurate. What, do you, I think what is the listed height? I think he's listed at 6'1", maybe at 6 foot, okay. but I don't, I mean, it, the, the first number begins with a 5. Like I, I would be I, amazed if it didn't. I saw people posting a picture next to Kyler Murray, exactly. and I was like, wait a second. Right. He's the same size? If that. I mean, I, he, he looks, looks like he might be shorter. He can't be like 5'7". No, but I think. sell at that level? Five, I mean, eight. he might be 5'10". Like, okay. he might realistically so be 5'10". So who's the last great true 5'10 guy? Exactly. Is, it, and is if it Wilson or is it, you know, Drew Brees? Are they that small? And the difference between is he's going to be 5'10 and 190. Yep. He's not, you know, Russell Wilson was like 210 at 5'10". Like, there's a big difference. So, it, again, it's not that that doesn't necessarily mean he can't play. Like he's just been playing at Alabama at that size. It's not like he woke up yesterday right. at 5'10", 190. This is who he is. But... There's a lot of people in the NFL that are immediately just going to be like, no, I'm out. It's not going to work at that size. I'm not, I'm not getting into it, particularly not you know, with the number one or number two overall pick. But if you can get past that and you just look at his tape, I mean, there's very little that he does wrong. Even his, you sort of go through his low light reel and look at the biggest mistakes he's made in his career. Half of them are like, okay, I understand what you're doing there. That, I don't hate that. Like that's a, it was an ambitious shot, but I, I don't hate that as a process thing. So... I just think he's night and day better than the rest of these guys from a process point of view. Wow. And if you can get by the fact that he's going to be really small, he should be the top guy. All right. What about the guys who are like the giant dudes in the case of Levis and Richardson? I like Levis. Um, I think Levis does a lot well from a process standpoint, and he's not going to get enough credit for it because I think the situation around him wasn't very good. Like a lot of his receivers he's throwing to, he, t he takes a shot deep in so many of these plays it ends up looking terrible because the receiver basically just stands and watches it. And you're like, come on, like help the guy out a little bit. <laughs> um, but you can see him work through his progression well. You can see him read defense as well. Accuracy can be a little scattershot sometimes, but when he gets it right, it's beautiful. He's big, he's strong, he's powerful. Like He's the guy that I would take a shot on if I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum from the Bryce Young thing. I'm like, I, not, I'm not interested in 5'10", 190. I need 6'3", 230. That's what I'm starting with. Levis would be the guy I'd be interested in. Richardson, there's a lot to work with there as well, but I think he's much further away from a kind of overall process standpoint. So I think there's a lot of Raiders fans who would love to see... Well, there's two trains of thought. You get the big star, you try to get Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to trade away your first-round pick. If you make a run at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a bridge, mm -hmm. then you take a quarterback at seven. What plan do you like better? Now, I'm setting up a scenario here where Rodgers might not be available right. and the cost may be too high for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the Rodgers thing is kind of fascinating because he didn't have a good year this year, um, but he had 
probably the worst wide receiver group that he's had maybe in his career, certainly dating back to 2015, which coincidentally was the last really bad year relative to everything else we've seen from him. Um, so I think you can definitely convince yourself that, you know, you give Rodgers Devontae Adams back or just a viable receiving core again, immediately you start looking like an MVP candidate again. But we've reached this point in his career where it's like, it's the Brett Favre saga all over again, right? It's like any year could be the year where he just decides, I'm out, I've had enough of this, I'm retiring, I'm going to go play golf. And who knows when it is? Could be this year, could be next year, could be five years down the line. Like he's not, he shows no, uh, no sign of physical decline. So, you know, we could be years away from him hanging it up. But I, I think if you can convince him that there's like a meaningful project somewhere like, like Vegas, you should be able to get a few years of really high level play in him. And I, I think that would be a pretty exciting thing for any team. If not, then say it's the bridge plan. And it's Garoppolo, who, you know, you, you got on a little bit in terms of Purdy was, you know, pretty much even with him or a little bit better. If you get Jimmy G, who do you take at seven? Say the next three guys are all available at seven, or you have to, maybe you have to trade a little capital to move up. Levis is the guy that I would be taking a gamble on after Bryce Young. I think he's the one with the most sort of overall attainable potential, put it that way. Like, it's... Richardson obviously has all the potential in the world. He's, he's huge. He's got a big arm. He's got athletic skills. But I don't know if it's, it's as realistically attainable as it is with Levis. Um, also, the biggest problem with Garoppolo, I think, is his injury history. Like, even if you bring him in as a bridge quarterback, you can't rely on him playing 17 games next season because he almost never does that. Like, that's, that's maybe the biggest reason why the 49ers were looking to move on from him in the first place is you simply can't rely on him being there when you get to January and playoff football starts. So if you're bringing him in as a bridge, I think that's fine. But you might have to budget for the rookie starting by week 10, at which point, again, I don't know if you want to be doing that with Richardson. Pro Football Focus, pff.com. They've got an app. You can go up on the web, sign up for the uh, different subscription options. Last one on the Raiders. Based on numbers and grades and just you know football philosophy, how important is a running back? And should the Raiders be paying Josh Jacobs Fourteen mil a year. Yeah, I mean, to me, those are two different questions, right? The first one, I think, is a lot more open and debatable. You know, we can PFF has been sort of one of these guys saying uh, running backs don't matter. I don't think it's as easy as that. I think it's more nuanced and complicated. They matter to a degree. They matter to different degrees depending on the team around them and all those kinds of things. But the other end of the question, I think, is much more open and shut. Like, should you ever pay an NFL running back? 14 plus million dollars a year to which I think the answer is just no however valuable they are it's not that valuable and you can always replace 80% of the production with a much much cheaper way of doing it I think the sort of the biggest next contract you should ever commit to a running back is like the Austin Eckler deal you know where he's on a fraction of that kind of money for most of the production you know like Austin Eckler versus Josh Jacobs Jacobs last year was absolutely better, but the difference between the two of them is not worth the kind of difference in cash that they're going to get based off this year. And I feel like outside of the bottom five of the first round where a team absolutely has a need, I, I don't know how anyone takes a running back with a first round pick anymore. Right. But even to me, the run, the first round running back is a sort of less egregious misstep than the second contract. Right. At least you're not back. paying them big like dollars. Like the Zeke Elliott thing, right? Yep. I would take every running back in the world in the first round before I committed to that Ezekiel Elliott contract. I mean, I might push back on the first round thing, though. Look at the Chiefs. No, right? I think you're I mean, right. It's, it's like, kind of, maybe, I mean, it's pretty amazing with right. uh, Edward Zolaire 
And then you're bringing a guy off the scrap heap in McKinnon, and then Pacheco, who was, what, a seventh-round pick. You're absolutely right. Like, I, I would not want to be spending a first-round pick on a running back. But the point being, like, even if you take a guy in the middle of the first round, when you look at how much that guy's getting paid, right. it's not that much, right? Even if you completely whiff, you, you haven't wasted that volume of money on the running back. Whereas if you give the guy the Zeke Elliott contract, I mean, Dallas have been hamstrung by that deal for three years at this point. And are only just reaching the point where they can think about getting getting out from under it like that's a it's a way bigger problem than drafting a guy you know 15 overall all right sam that was a good spot thank you no problem thanks for having me